As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. The Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Great show for you guys today. Just past Thanksgiving. It's week 13. There are plenty of teams in the NFL who just fell short this year. Crashed and burned. Didn't hit the expectations we thought they were going to coming into the year. And when we get to this point in the season, it's easy to forget about those teams. We get totally enthralled with the playoff picture and who's going to make the wild card and what do the Super Bowl contenders look like. So I wanted to take a step back today and look at 10 teams that ultimately fell short this season, why that happened and how they might pick up the pieces. A few teams we're not going to talk about as part of this exercise. The Packers, we just had a conversation about them with Mike Sando earlier this week. If you want some Packers talk, go check it out there. We did a big dive on the Saints on the Monday hangover a couple weeks ago, so we're not going to talk about the Saints The Bears get plenty of oxygen on this show. Also, the Bears were supposed to be bad. So the fact that they are bad should not be a surprise to anyone. But we've got 10 other teams that we're going to chat about and dig into on this show. We talked for so long that we're going to split this into two parts. Part one is going to be with Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network. We're going to get to that first. Part two is with our Rams writer here at The Athletic, Jordan Rodriguez. If you want to listen to that show, it is a separate episode. Please go check it out. Really enjoyed the conversations I had with both Daniel and Jordan. Let's get to that conversation with Daniel right now. I am pleased now to welcome from the NFL Network, their lead draft analyst. What what, what do you call yourself these days? Whatever. Yeah, sure. (laughs) The host of the Move the Sticks podcast, somebody who is a perfect person to have this conversation with as we think about where these teams are and where they have to go in the team building process. Daniel Jeremiah, really good to chat with you, buddy. Really appreciate spending the time. Great to be with you, pal. I'll tell you what, aren't you glad though? Like, like the next generation won't even know what a business card is. Like, do you remember that? Like, <laughs> yes. used to, like you'd meet people like, Hey, can I get a business card? F- yeah, you're darn right. You can. I keep a stack of freaking 500 of these things in my uh, briefcase here. Let me give you one of those. The best one is we got them at Grant. We wanted them at Grantland for like years. We yeah. were pushing to get them for years and years and years. And we got them like four months before the site folded. 
So in my closet right now, I just have like hundreds of Grantland business cards with my old ESPN email on them that were completely worthless and I'll never use. So really that's good amazing. Stuff there. So so uh, one little scouting nugget for you before we get started here. So as a scout, you had your business card. The number one reason you needed business cards was because when you go into the school in the morning, the nice thing to do, the professional thing to do is to bring donuts or bagels. But then, you know, they might have five or six scouts there that day. So you had to tape your business card on top of the donut box so that the coaches at, you know, at USC knew, hey, those were from the Ravens, pal. Those were not Carolina Panther donuts. Those were Baltimore Raven donuts. And I'm sure you have to differentiate yourself. You have to find the good donuts oh. to make sure yours are better than like some jerk from the Jets. Yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, some some guys would like drop off like the donuts. Like, really, dude, you got that at 7-Eleven, like around the corner. Like, these aren't wow. even real donuts. Come on. That's rough. That That is a rough one. Hey, winners win and losers lose, even in donuts, Robert. All right. I'm excited to dig into this. For I uh, explained the concept a little bit earlier, but we're going to talk about the teams that kind of crashed and burned a little bit in 2022, the ones that had some expectations, did not live up to those expectations, why they fell short, and what picking up the pieces might look like. And there's only one place we can start this. This is the team that was kind of the genesis for doing this podcast. And that is the Denver Broncos, who are sitting at three and eight. And uh, if we're figuring out how the Denver Broncos got here, I think it's pretty easy to connect the dots. A team that traded two first round picks, two second round picks, and gave $160 million guaranteed to a quarterback is dead last in the NFL in scoring. So... It's not really difficult, not, not very complicated to figure out the path here. There are some other stats when I was looking this up that were pretty shocking. Man. So they're averaging 1.2 yards per or points per drive. The gap between them and the Colts at 31 is bigger than the gap between the Colts and the team at 24. The Broncos lead the NFL in penalties with 87. They have 26 combined delay of game and false start calls this year, which leads the league. They're 31st in special teams EPA. So every single quiet aspect of who you can be as a team beyond just the offensive disaster, they've essentially been bad at it unless it relates to their defense. So that is how we got here, Daniel Jeremiah. What comes next for the Denver Broncos? Where do you want to start this? Well, I I will say let's start with a a happy thought here. And so when I look at this team and have, and doing the charger games, I see them twice a year. I've seen them, you know, for the last five years, twice a year. So you get a little bit of a feel for the roster and you would always go into that game and, okay, this is going to be a really physical, physical game. The defense obviously under Vic was, you know, was outstanding. There's still tremendous pieces there on that side of the ball. Um, but Javante Williams, you take him out of that offense, their most physical player who you yep. can run the offense through no, no matter what you think of, of Russell and how bad that looks. And we'll get into that. But that takes a lot of pressure off of him. Garrett Bowles had, you know, gone is one of the great success stories of somebody who's been written off early in his career was the human holding penalty early on and developed <laughs> into one of the one of the better left tackles, especially when it came to, you know, the run game, what he could do there and the physicality provided. So those are two really, really huge key pieces they're going to get back. So even though you can say they don't have a first-round pick, getting those two guys back is going to provide a drastic impact in, in in what they're doing. But if if I'm looking at you know what's wrong, I you can start with Russell or you can start with Hackett. I I mean I I don't I think there's there's a strong case I could make a strong case against Hackett even stronger than I make against Russell, which is saying something as bad as Russell's played. This becomes pretty simple to me. 
you can't move on from the quarterback. Can't fire the, you can't fire the quarterback. You cannot fire the quarterback. We can get into some of the machinations with the contract. If they move on after 2023, they could do something where they're looking at a $35 million dead cap hit in 2024 and $50 yeah. million in 2025 if they make him a post-June 1st cut next year. Wow. That is the best case scenario for when yeah. they can move on from him. So he is going to be on the team next year. You can move on from the coach. And when you think about how this is gone, it almost feels like one of them has to go. Somebody has to take the fall for this. And when you can't put it on the quarterback, process of elimination takes you to the coach. Yeah. And the other thing is you just laid out some of the penalty issues, right? So I can say, oh, you know, gosh, it's kind of nebulous when you say it's not a scheme fit. They don't, they're not a great marriage that way. But what isn't nebulous is unorganized, undisciplined. That's exactly looking, right. L- looking like you're in way over your head. And I'm I'm speaking as somebody who has been let go with an organization at one point in time. I don't I, I don't ever like advocating for people to lose their jobs. I know all that comes along with that. But this clearly looks to everybody like this is a job that's too big for him right now that that they're going to have to make a change. You can't run this back. You can't do this for another year and have it look like this. You've got to at least hope uh, it can get better with Russell. And as much as some of the things have uh, you know rubbed people the wrong way with Russell in terms of special treatment, and you know you hear all the stories, his own office, his own locker, you know all, all the personality issues that he has. You have no choice but to bring him into the process of finding the next coach. Like he has to be a part of that. This thing has to work. Oh, man. You're not moving on from him for the next couple of years. So as 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 you might throw up in your mouth when you do it, you might not feel good about it. But I think that he has to be involved in that decision. I, I really do because if it doesn't work now, where do you go? This is the last lever you've got to pull. So if they move on from him, it feels like even if Evero has been fantastic on that side of the ball, elevating yeah. him doesn't make sense to me. You know, you can't. I think you want a clean slate. You want to get that taste out of your mouth. They're also best friends, which is another complicating factor there. Like, I mean, they were the best men at each other's weddings. So there's just a lot of entanglements there that I think you probably want to clear yourself of, even if he's done a really, really good job on that side of the ball. So then it becomes a question of who the next coach is. And I understand what you're saying with the Russell thing. I almost think that you have to make some of these moves independent on whether you think independent of whether you think he's going to succeed or fail. Because yeah. I think that if you That's tough. If you think that you have to build an offense around him and you're tailoring your search for the next coach and what you're looking for based on his willingness and ability to get the most out of Russell Wilson, I almost think that you're selling yourself short in terms of scope and perspective because I'm not sure that guy maybe exists. I just don't know if that's the answer. I, it makes sense, and I think practically you almost have to do it, but it really gives me pause to think about it in those terms because if you're going to lock yourself to him, I think that's how both of those guys drown again. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I choose to look at it this way, and it's not my money, so it's easy for me to say this in terms of me <laughs> moving on from coaches this fast, but like this is a one-year experiment that you're scrapping, right? So that's one year, that's out the door. You've kind of laid out the reasons why I, I think he's going to get. I think Russell Wilson, unless you know he just literally can't complete a pass, is going to get two more years to try and make this thing work. So I'm looking at this as I'm going to try and find a coach that can work with Russell and they can try and figure this thing out for the next two years. If after that two two year period of time we're seeing the same level of play for Russell Wilson, guess what? The whole the whole group is out and you're 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 on to another group. But I, I just if you don't have a coach come in there who's 
who sees that he can make something with Russell and sees the upside there, which is hard to find watching this year's video. But I think if you don't have belief there, I just think you're going to beat your head against the wall for the next two years. Um, so it's a, Look, we're going to talk about several teams. You kind of gave me a heads up on who we were talking about today. This one's the trickiest one for me to try and navigate around. Because there's really no good way to do it. And, you know, no. I was reading Jason Fitzgerald did a long breakdown of it over the cap, just looking at all the different levers you can pull contractually. And there's an argument to be made that you potentially bring in some competition for him even next year. Because no. if this thing doesn't get better, sitting him down the stretch is a way to avoid some potentially devastating injury guarantees. Yeah. So I think that you almost have to get really creative in how you're thinking about this. And one of the things I was thinking about was he has a $22 million cap hit next year. Russell Wilson does. Yeah. So it, do you say, we're not just going to give him the job. Like we have to bring in somebody that can be a viable alternative to him just in case this doesn't get any better. And we want to sit him down because we want to give ourselves the option of moving on the year after. Like if you're looking at the free agent quarterback market because you got no picks, yeah, is this like a Jacoby Brissett landing spot? You offer him a two year deal, you know that kind of fake backup deal where there's an upside to be a starter. He can get paid that way. You give him ten million dollars. They have thirty two million dollars combined to their quarterbacks next year. You can kind of live with it. Like because it's the naughtiest and most complicated path, I almost feel like you got to take multiple shots at figuring it out just to give yourself potential outs from this. Well, it's a great point you brought up. And one of the things I think you'll talk to when you talk to GMs and, and buddies around the league is they'll talk about the uh the the position the the finances of the position or the overall positional output. So and not looking at it as we're paying, you know, Russell Wilson this amount of money is back up that amount. It's just looking, okay, we've allocated this amount of money to the quarterback position. So whoever starts starts, we don't care. You could make that number lower than some of the other numbers around the league and come up with your starter who might be an upgrade. And I, you know, I'll throw another one out there and we'll see what Sam Darnold does coming down the stretch here. But that's another one, you know, when you look at a Sam Darnold, we'll see what happens with Daniel Jones going forward. But I, I you know, some of those guys are going to be available for, you know, and I don't think it's going to cost you a ton of money. You're going to have to, their, their agents going to force you to build in some incentives there. So the number is going to climb with them, you know, playing and winning that position. But I think if you look at positional allocation of the money, that's, that's one way you do it. Shoot. Russell knows about that because that was part of the discussion when he, when he won the job over Flynn. Yeah. I was like, look, we're paying this, we're paying the quarterback position, this amount of money. That's what it is. So we're just going to pay, we're going to play the best player. You look at the rest of the roster outside of the quarterback. All right, Sutton back next year. He's on an extension. Patrick next year, back next year. He's on an extension. He didn't play at yeah. all the season, obviously. Potential Judy trade, maybe, just to recoup some of that draft capital, get anything for him when you don't have any picks. You know, maybe yeah, that's know where their heads he at. Has, I don't know I mean, either. You get a, you get Again, a, we're we're grasping at straws yeah. here. There's there's not a lot of good answers. I mean, yeah. The only thing with Judy is that uh, played for Dayball, right? Played oh, for Dayball at Alabama, so that's that's a an opportunity there. Maybe I don't know what are you going to get. You hope you get a three, maybe a four. You're not getting a two for Jerry Judy. He didn't play. He didn't done anything. I don't know, man. Chase Claypool just went for like the 33rd overall pick in the draft. Yeah. So I listen. Yeah. That, that's a that's a sore subject. But a couple other just moving pieces to hit on. 
Kareem Jackson hitting free agency. They have Caden Stearns, who played well in Justin yeah. Simmons' stead, so he can theoretically step in there. Darby's under contract next year, but you save $10 million if you move on from him. Just one more thing to consider. And then their pass rushers after moving on from Nick Chubb all back. Randy Gregory's yeah, on Baron Browning's a good Benito, player. Benito, Browning's been very good. Alex yeah. Singleton and Draymond Jones also hitting free agency. So some of those pieces that have kind of been the connective tissue of a defense that's been really, really good may not yeah. be back next year. But that's all just details. What really matters yeah. here is who the coach is going to be, what you get out of the quarterback. And I, I think both of those answers are murky at best right now. Yeah. And I think to, to kind of hit on your earlier point though, is that as much as you hate to move on from a defensive coordinator and the whole staff changeover, the, the pieces are in place there that whoever comes in there is going to have a chance to have a, a really good defense. 100%. Um, so there is that, but that, that the, the big decision. And I, the more as we talk about this, and this is why these exercises are fun and you kind of workshop it, um, the more I'm, I'm I'm starting to lean more towards your second thought there of bringing in a quarterback as some competition. Um, and if nothing if nothing else, maybe it lights a fire into this guy. Because I, I can't remember. He's 33 years old. I, 34 I have, today. Oh, 34 today. There you go. Happy birthday, Russ. Uh, I don't have <laughs> in my, you know, in my recollection, a quarterback in his early 30s that's fallen off a cliff like this. We've seen it, you know, slowly go downhill. The running backs are notorious for falling off a cliff. Um and we see quarterbacks in the in their late 30s that have but this is maybe maybe it's because the way he played early in his career, maybe there's just more miles on him um than you would think of a traditional 30 just turned 34-year-old quarterback. As somebody who's been in front offices before, like, what do you think the conversation that George Payton is having with his oh, staff, with himself, feels like right now? Because I can't remember anything like this. You know, there are teams that have had to negotiate around Albatross quarterback contracts two, three years into handing them out. You know, what the yeah. Eagles had to do with Wentz or what the Rams had to do with Goff, where they were quickly trying to move on from him. That has happened in the recent past. I can't remember it happening immediately. Yeah. after giving up this sort of package to go get a guy like th this is unlike anything i can remember in the modern nfl yeah and the, and you know golf and wentz had real value to other teams you know even though it hadn't it had not gone the way they anticipated because of their age now combining age along with the number like you've got you've got nothing there I, again like it's a there's a lot of teams to get to. This one is the the one that would be the the Rubik's cube of the of the bunch trying to figure that thing out. All right, let's get to another team in the AFC West here. Talk about the Las Vegas Raiders who are sitting yeah. at four and seven. How did we get here with the Raiders? Few ways. The Raiders are zero and three this season in games where they've led by seventeen or more points, which is incredible. I look I look at it today. Since two thousand, teams have won ninety six percent of those games in which they've won by led by 17 or more points. The Raiders are winless in those games this year. That's insane. That combined with the fact that they are 31st in the NFL and EPA per play on defense. That's how the yeah. Las Vegas Raiders are four and seven this season. So yeah. what comes next for the Las Vegas Raiders? They have one big looming question, and that is a quarterback who needs his contract exercised heading into next year if they want to commit themselves to him. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I just you really I don't. don't. I, I don't, and I, I think there's sometimes where you can say, okay, where are you going to find better? 
And there's other times where, where I think that the conversation is this is just kind of we ran it. It's ran its course and it's yeah. not a great fit with Josh McDaniels and it's who you're married to. And we we come off of talking about Denver and say Denver has no choice but to be married to the quarterback and not the coach. I think in this situation, it's the exact opposite. I think they're going to be married to McDaniels and his vision going forward. Um, and I just don't have a lot of confidence that that they're going to want to run it back. You know, I, I don't. So, you know, the other issues are are they're plentiful to me. It's offensive line and corners. Like those are the two areas that have to be addressed with this team in the offseason. But I don't uh unless look, they did it last year. They won on a big run at the end of the season. Maybe that's coming. Maybe they're capable of that. Um, I don't see that happening. And I think and it, it comes down to McDaniels versus Carr. I think McDaniels will probably win this one. To me, it's a be careful what you wish for sort of thing. Because mm-hmm. you move on from him and you're staring at life with another option there. Where are you going to get that guy? So right now, they're picking ninth. And obviously, a lot can change here over the last five weeks of the season. They're four and seven. The Bears are the team picking third right now. The Lions via the Rams is three and eight. You know, mm-hmm. so many of those things can shift. They may be in a position to draft somebody. And I think the decision to move on from Carr in that under those circumstances makes a little bit more sense. It's a little bit cleaner. But I think I can make a pretty compelling case that there's reason to be optimistic about the offense. If you look at some of the underlying numbers, this team is like ninth in offensive DVOA. Some of that is the way that they've run the ball, but they've been like a pretty good offense this season. They've had some real stinkers. Like that Saints game sticks out in your mind, but they've been a pretty good offense and they haven't had Hunter Renfro for most of the season. They haven't had Darren Waller for most of the season. And theoretically, you could spend some of the cap space you have next year on going to get an offensive lineman or use that pick you were going to use on a quarterback to go get an offensive lineman. So I, I understand why they potentially would want to turn the page because it's available to them. It's why they structured the deal like this. Yeah. But I still feel like you're heading down that dark road and you don't know where it leads. And the one you're staring at right now, even if it feels monotonous and feels like something you've lived over and over and over again, it's not that bad. Yeah. I I just think also though, it's not Derek versus the quarterback that replaces him. It would be Derek uh, versus the quarterback who replaces him. Plus the, what you do with the savings, you know, you're right. So you have a chance to build in and build around that roster. I don't know. I, I just, I, I always use the phrase I talk about, like the confetti test. Like, can you ever envision the confetti falling on Derek Carr's, the quarterback of the Raiders, as they're hoisting the Super Bowl trophy? And Josh McDaniels has been on that stage and been in that situation so many times. I, I just, I don't know that I get that vibe or that feeling. And if you don't feel like he's that guy, then you got to go try and find the next one. You think they cut him because he has well, that tell no me trade what, what, Yeah, yeah. What what are the numbers on that? What does that do from a from a cap standpoint? Because I think it's they're scot free far far as I know. Five and a half million dollars in dead money if they release him. Yeah, he has a thirty three million dollar base salary that fully guarantees on February fifteenth, but they can trade him really up any point before June first. So yeah. it gives them some time. And I have to imagine if he wants to go somewhere. There is a team that would look at $33 million of Derek Carr with no signing bonus attached to him beyond this year and say, I want that. Like, that is an mm-hmm. upgrade over what I have at quarterback. Even if he's not the confetti guy for the Raiders, I think yeah. there are some other teams that have run into some difficulties, some complications at quarterback that look at him and see an upgrade over what they have right now. So I think they'd have a market for him. It just depends on whether or not he wants to wield that no trade clause or not. Yeah. No, that would be a fascinating part of it. it- 
be interesting to see who those teams would be because I can make a strong case that he's an upgrade over a lot of these quarterbacks for different teams. 100% I can make that case, but it's also where they are in the building process and does he fit their timeline of what they're trying to do? Um, and does he impede the progress of somebody young that they're trying to, you know, that they're willing to be good that isn't there yet? All right. So let me throw out this, throw this out there for you. Why doesn't he make sense for like the Jets if they're really done with Wilson? Well, I think one of the things that the Jets would point out is their success is because of the waves of uh, depth that they have along the line of scrimmage, and that when you bring in a number like that, it's going to impact the uh, that in, in a pretty significant way. And I think in some weird case, especially when they get back healthy next year with Vera Tucker and Becton coming back and Brees Hall coming back, I think they're they're weirdly set up to not be quarterback dependent. Um, you know, to be paying that big of a number one, I don't think they're going to need that. You know, from the quarterback position, I'm wondering if they, if a team that trades for him does something funky, where because there's no signing bonus involved, because it's all base salary from here on out, do they say, all right, we'll we'll redo this, we'll give mm-hmm. you some guarantees up front, and we'll get that 2023 cap number down to 12 million, and we'll keep yeah. it low in 2024, and be able to do some gymnastics here, where maybe we'll eat a little bit of this on the back end. But it still gives us flexibility on the short term. You know, something like this is obviously different because it's not a quarterback, but like what the Browns did with Amari Cooper this year, you know, is, mm-hmm. is a good example of that. Does some team think that they can do something like that where they get an upgrade in the short term, they give themselves flexibility in the short term, and they kind of get the best of both worlds? Yeah. No, that, that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, I, I think. What goes on with them is largely dependent on what happens at the end of the season. You know, yeah. if this thing goes one way or the other, I think that decision will be made for him. But I, I don't. If you were asking me today where we stand right now, I would lean towards him not being the quarterback of the Raiders next year. So with that savings, which there would be a lot of it, obviously, I think they'd have about thirty-five million dollars in cap space, even if they kept him. So they'd have a yeah. lot more if they moved on from him. The Cassidy, question is the cash, by the way. Then, then the question will yeah, be the cash. It's, it's, yeah. very, it's a very good point. It's a very good yeah. point with this team. So you're looking at it. You have one of the worst defenses in the league, and you have multiple starters on that side of the ball hitting free agency. Deron Harmon, Rocky Seen, Anthony Everett. Not guys that were like building blocks yeah. for them, but guys who played a lot this year. Mm-hmm. So do you use that money that you save to just start rebuilding that side of the ball? I think that's kind of what you have to do, right? I think that's where you start, and I especially start in the secondary. I mean, they just they've got to get better back there. Um, so that would be the first place I would start. And then again, I just think when you watch, you know, you watch the video and you watch the cutups of them, um, you know, look, I just I don't feel good about the the center to right tackle side of that offensive line. Not feel good about that at all. And those guys are also hitting free agency, by the way. Illuminor is a free agent. Alex Barr is a free agent. Again, it doesn't matter. Like These are guys that you can find wherever you want to, but they're going to have a lot of starters that have played a lot of snaps for them this year to replace this offseason with that money. Yeah, that that what needs to happen. Um, I mean, those are the two areas I think you have to address in this in this offseason. The good news is they're going to have, you know, obviously they have the space. The question is, after doling out a lot of cash like they did this last offseason, what does the cash budget look like? $19.4 million cap at next year for Chandler Jones. If you look at pro football focus, like the, their pass rushing productivity stat, you know, yeah. just essentially pressures over opportunities. If yeah. you sort it by guys who've had 50% of their team's pass rushing snaps or more, there's like 60 mm-hmm. of them. He yeah. ranks like 57th out of 60. And he's going to make with, $20 with million an, dollars next year. With an absolute war daddy on the other side. Yes, with one of the best defensive players in the league yes. on the other side. It's not Correct. a good situation. The bets no, they have that... made on that side of the ball have not worked out very well. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Carolina Panthers, four and eight. How did we get here? I, we could spend an hour on this. Is it, is it possible? <laughs> is it possible though? Like, am I? And this is just looking at them uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I know they don't have. I, you know, we don't think they do. We'll see how Sam plays coming down the stretch. We don't think they have their quarterback. Obviously, going forward, they're going to have a coaching change, uh, a new coach coming in. I, I I like love their defensive pieces that they have, man. I think, I think they that's have a, a lot of pieces. Group that, period. That's all, yeah, and you've got playmakers. You've got some playmakers on offense, and you've got a left tackle who's just getting better and better as a rookie. So, I actually, I I normally advise like people ask you like which who you know if it's you're Sean Payton or you're this you're the most sought after coach. Like I always go look. You have to have an established quarterback. Everything else is a crapshoot. Don't go there if they don't have an established quarterback. I'm like, oh, this this roster is in pretty good shape outside of that position, man. I, it's so easy to talk yourself into it. And yeah. you know, obviously, you know, the Matt Rule era is filled with just broken names and bodies at quarterback and offensive yeah. play caller. You know, Bridgewater, Joe Brady, Sam Darnold, Ben McAdoo, Baker Mayfield. Like, that's what we're staring yeah. at now. I think they're 30th in EPA per play during his yeah. tenure there. And that includes a pretty decent year with Joe Brady and Teddy Bridgewater to start things mm-hmm. off. So you can imagine mm-hmm. what it's been like since. But you kind of remove yourself from that and you think about what comes next here. Who the coach is becomes, I mean, it's similar to a lot of these. Who's the coach? Who's the quarterback? And how do you go get those guys? So as it currently stands, they're picking fifth. All right. Mm -hmm. The Texans are taking a quarterback at one, almost guaranteed. The Lions potentially, as things stand right now, are picking ahead of them. The Chicago Bears own the second pick. I'm listening. No. There's the phone uh, yeah, call. If, if, yeah. I'm, I'm listening. They got that extra yeah. second from the McCaffrey trade. Like, what do you what do you got for me? So they're yeah. in a position to potentially get the quarterback if they like C.J. Stroud as that second guy, whoever it ends up being. And I think then the question becomes, who's the coach? And mm-hmm. is it a Sean Payton team? Do they go somewhere else? Because if you find answers, reasonable answers at those two spots, there's a lot to like about the rest mm. of the roster here. I mean, top to bottom, we can go through it, but there's a lot to like. Can I give you the name for them, by the way? But Shane Steichen. I was with Shane with the Chargers. I like Shane a lot, man. He's done a great job working with Nick in Philadelphia. He's creative. He's not only you know creative in the pass game, he's creative in the run game. I think he'd infuse some life into that group, and I think he'd be able to get the most out of some pretty intriguing pieces they have. He has an energy to him that sneaks up on you. Like yeah. you're not really ready for it. I, I've, it's a goofy I, energy. It's a goofy energy, but it's authentic. It is very goofy. I have said this before. He looks and sounds exactly like Dak Shepard, 
which oh, you're not call. ready yeah. for it. But he has that yeah. like exact same vibe to him. And I think that yeah. guys have responded to that. And the creativity part is exactly what sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. His background is so interesting because when you watch those teams, you watch the Eagles play right now, like that's not where he comes from. Like no. he's a Norv Turner guy who spent times with all spent some time with these different Philip sorts Rivers. of staffs. Yeah. Yes. And so yeah. the fact that this is what the offense looks like, I would be so bullish on. That's a really interesting name. So you drop Shane Steichen into a situation where they draft a quarterback in the top five potentially. Yeah. Your offensive line next year is back. Bradley yeah. Bozeman is hitting free agency. Elfline started for half this year. He could be back. If you want to upgrade your center, you can, but your four other starters yeah. are there. DJ Moore is on this team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Brian Burns, Frankie Louvu is under contract. JC Horn, Dante Jackson. Chins missed a huge chunk of the season, but he's, he's back. A great, now. He's a great talent, though, when he's out there, man. And I mean, look at it. Terrace Marshall's been pretty good in the opportunities he's gotten since they moved on from Robbie Anderson. Like, how about just the, how about just the inside outside with Derek Brown and Brian Burns and yes. young young players to build a front around? I mean, I, I think that as you know. By the way, by been, the way, I haven't st- I have not studied them. I was talking to a head coach the other day, and we that we were, I don't know why we the Panthers came up in conversation, and he said, "Have you watched any of C.J. Henderson lately?" And I said, you know, not I haven't spent it. You know, the Panthers haven't been super relevant, so I haven't spent a ton of time <laughs> studying their defense. Obviously, I know what JC was coming out, and he said CJ Henderson's played his butt off since he went to Carolina. He said that's going to be one of the all-time steals. So I mean, you have your two young, freaky first-round talent corners. You've got an inside rusher. You've got an outside rusher. I mean, that's a pretty darn good place to start on your defense. If they hit the quarterback and they hit the coach, even at a reasonable level. I think that yeah. they can be competitive a lot faster than it might seem because of how and look at the division out there. Yeah, yeah, wide it's, open. It's right there. It's right there for the. They take, might win so. that division this year. That's going to be interesting. I had a little note for all of these. Like, is there a silver lining? Like, there's a lot oh. of silver lining with, oh, yeah. with the Panthers in this conversation. Which, it, again, when you think about how bad the rule era was and just how beaten down people have to be there, like they're they're actually pretty well positioned, all things considered. A team that I do not feel that way about. Is the Arizona Cardinals? Oh man, I just experienced that last weekend. They're four and eight. How we got here with the Cardinals? Thirty-first in total team DVOA. The only team that's worse than them this season is the Houston Texans. They are twenty-eighth on offense with Cliff Kingsbury and a quarterback that they just gave a boatload of money to. Yeah, we talked about this with Mike Sando on our show yesterday, but I I really wanted to get your take on this. How would you even start fixing the Cardinals? That's a great question. Um, their offensive line is awful. It's, it's um, number one to me. The tape of the Minnesota Vikings and what what they did with Zadarius Smith and and poor Billy Price. I mean, they just moved Zadarius Smith inside and just let him go to work uh, on Billy Price. But they are not they are not good across the board up front offensively. That's a major issue. They uh, they don't have edge rushers. I mean, Myjai Sanders has flashed a little bit. I think he's got a chance to be good. He played pretty good against the Chargers the other day, but they don't have a home run edge rusher. The the two D tackles actually have played pretty good. Uh, JJ's having a good year. I was kind of surprised getting ready for that game and studying him how well he was playing. Uh, Zach Allen's a good player. Um, he's played well for him. Um, Zach Allen is one of their lone young defensive player or young that, one that, of their lone young players. That's like a building block where it's like, oh, nice. Well, like they have well, like a I, foundational piece potentially. I'll say this: the I was talking to one of their coaches before the game, and I was talking to him, and as their players came running out, and I said, "Holy crap!" I said, 
Zayvon Collins might be top five, like jaw dropping, get off the bus know, guys, body type. Yeah, in the in the entire league, and he's he's played well this year. He's gotten better. He's made plays. He had a pick in that game. Um, he's going to be a nice piece for them going forward, dude. He I, and I did him during the draft, but I, maybe it was because the combine. You're up in the booth. I didn't get a chance to stand next to him. He is freaking enormous. <laughs> um, and so you know, and Isaiah Simmons, they're still trying to figure out exactly how to play him, what to do with him. Buda Baker's you know is a great player, but um, to me, I it starts with the offensive line, the quarterback. Um, I would, I would say this: the buzzword of college football hire season used to be culture, and now the buzzword is alignment. I don't know that there's alignment. They all got paid. I guess that aligns them from from you know GM to head coach to quarterback. But I do not see any alignment with with the vision of where that team's going forward. Do you assume that they hit the reset button with the major decision makers this offseason? I mean. The expectation from talking to people around the league is they won't do that because it's not in their, you know, in their history to want to dole out those checks um, to do that. But you can make a strong argument that they can't, they can't run this back. It, and some of it's hard to say. I can't, you know, say, oh, I was told this and and I was told that. It just feels disjointed and dysfunctional uh, when you're around the group. It's funny when you mention the offensive line because I, I feel the exact same way. And there's almost like a cognitive dissonance when you think about them because I want their the, I want them to upgrade the offensive line, but I almost yeah. can't imagine this team with like a physical presence on offense, especially up front. Like it's almost mm. impossible for me to picture them being that sort of team. And that's why I think they should do it because I yeah. think they need such a revamp of everything they are to just become like a normal NFL team in some ways that that's what it needs to be. It needs to be like this transformational step that they take with the structure of the offense, with the personnel that they have all of that stuff, because we think we've gotten to that place, but I don't know what that looks like around this quarterback. Like it's hard for me to imagine that version of them. And that's the hoop. I think they're going to have to jump through. It's tricky one. Um, and you know, I was told you know Kyler doesn't like being under center. Um, That's exactly Kyler, what I made. So he doesn't like doing that. And you, you've he, you know, he's a weapon as a runner, but he still doesn't love to do it from a design quarterback run standpoint. They still sprinkle in some of it, but he doesn't love it. He's lost a little bit of his willingness to really push the ball vertically downfield. They really haven't had much of a vertical passing element. Um, so it's, a that's going to be a tricky one to kind of put that whole thing together. But I just know that no matter what, you, you know, obviously you're married to Kyler. Um, if you don't up, upgrade the offensive line, you don't have, have much of a chance. And they have, you know, I just come off a game. They ran the ball down the chargers throats, which everybody's done. Yeah, all it's not hard to they do. don't stop the run. It has not been difficult to do, but they, you know, even in saying that they ran for all those yards, they have no juice back there. Like James Connor in, in what were some 10 and 12 and 14 yard runs, you know, Kenneth Walker took those 75 when they, when they played the Seahawks, like they need some juice, man. You talk about disalignment. Zach Ertz and James Conner are probably going to be on this team next year because yeah. of the contract extensions that they got this offseason. And you look at this team and it's just it's just a bunch of mismatched pieces that don't really make a lot of sense. You don't really have any young players that you can build around. Like just that young connective tissue throughout the roster. They just don't yeah. have it. And I think that's because they've missed on a lot of guys and it's because they've traded away picks. 
You know, it's mm-hmm. a second round pick here. It's a third round pick for Rodney Hudson there. It's a first round pick for Marquise Brown there. It's a second round pick for Andy Isabella. It's a second round pick for Rondell Moore. Like there's just so many holes because they either traded those away or they spent them on luxury items that you're looking at the roster. And it's just like, where is the bulk of like an NFL team? And that's mm-hmm. the problem. And then when you combine that with contracts for guys like Zach Ertz, like James Conner, where they're trying to keep this band together that didn't sound that good in the first place from last season, I just don't really understand how it all is supposed to fit together. Well, they don't have a lot of premium players at the premium positions. No. So, and that's where they've invested their resources. And I just mentioned, you know, Zayvon Collins, I think is going to be a good piece for them going forward. But, you know, multiple first round picks at the at the linebacker position, in a, in a place where you don't really have that budding tackle that, you know, DJ Humphrey's been okay, but they don't have a, a big-time tackle. They don't have a big-time corner. Um, you know, D-Hop is older and, and you know, is un, still a great player, but you don't have that next guy coming up at that position. These are some of the marquee positions in the league, and they don't and they have no edge rusher. I mean, so if, if I was going to prioritize it, offensive line would be first. Edge rusher would probably be the second piece that you have to add to this group. And they'll, they're picking seventh right now, if you're looking yeah. at it, and who knows where that pick ends up. But they're going to be in a position to draft one of those premium players in a way that they haven't yeah. been over the last couple of years because they've been frustratingly competent and competitive in, in yeah. ways that have probably hurt them more than helped them. All right, last one here. The Jacksonville Jaguars are four and seven. How do we get here with the Jags? Two and six in one score games, which is mm-hmm. not a good place to start when you're trying to win football games. They have a positive point differential this year, even though they're that? four and well, seven. That's, but they blew the Chargers out. So that added that, to that. That certainly helps. But they, they yeah. have a positive point differential. And I think the other key aspect of this and why they've been a little bit disappointing, especially over the last month or so, their defense has really fallen off. You know, they mm. were playing very well over the first month of the season. They are 30th in past defense DVOA right now. I will say, before we get into this, this one's tinged with a little bit more happiness and optimism than some of these other conversations because the building block and where we're starting from is a little bit better. But what comes next here for the Jags, in your opinion? Well, again, coaching quarterback, I feel great about. I think most people would feel great, especially what we've seen from Trevor, what we saw the other day and where that's trending, that – there were, and I, I know PFF, I guess, does the big-time throws. I don't know what number they put on that, but in watching the tape of that game to get ready for our Monday show, I mean, there was a handful, five or six, or like, okay, these are big-time. Like, these are some, like, Justin Herbert-type hole shots here. Big-time, big-time throws. So um, that's encouraging. I think where you go from here, I, I think you it's a defensive offseason. You continue. They've done some nice things um, up front with their front seven. I love the young linebackers that they have. Um, I think are going to be really, really good players. Devin Lloyd, uh, Chad Muma, those are guys you can build around in the middle of your defense. Obviously, you have the first overall pick to go along with Josh Allen up front. I think they're going to be fine there. I just think you got to – this is kind of a double down – you know, corner type year, adding adding two of those guys in the offseason is going to be a great place to start. Yeah, they kind of had this cycle where they spend a lot of money in free agency. And then about two years into those contracts, they cut all those guys and then spend yeah. a bunch of money in free agency again. And yeah. that's likely what's going to happen. So there, I was shocked by this. You know, the Jags right now, without any moves, would be third in defensive cap spending next, next season. Wow. Third. Second in the secondary. 
They would have the which second not, most not expensive. A, which is not a good return on investment on they that one. They have 30th in pass defense DVOA. Yeah. And then yeah. they have the second most expensive secondary in the league heading into next season. It's not yeah. hard to trace how you get there. Shaq Griffin's on a massive deal. Darius Williams is on well. a massive yeah. deal. Rayshon Jenkins is on a massive deal. They mm. could theoretically move on for multiple guys. Roy yeah. Robertson Harris is somebody else that got a lot of money from them recently. So they're going to have, hopefully, a little bit of financial wiggle room to address some of those spots. And yeah. then you look at the Tyson offense. Campbell's a good piece, though. At least you have Tyson Campbell back there. And he's piece. young. He's cheap, yeah. which, you know, yeah. that's certainly helpful. Cisco has, you know, on a rookie deal. So some yeah. of the guys that have been contributors for them are cheap. So how do you spend some of that money? Where do you go find a couple of those pieces in the secondary? And I think now Calvin Ridley is on his way. So mm-hmm. now you have Calvin Ridley. God, you know, I f- totally forgot about that, by the way. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to forget about. If he, shows, if he shows up and is what he's been. So now you have piece. Calvin Ridley, yeah. Zay Jones, who has played well for them in the role that he's been yeah. given, Christian Kirk. Yeah. It all kind of makes more sense when you drop Calvin Ridley into it. So yeah. it, it, we'll see what Calvin Ridley is. But if he is, you know, a very good NFL receiver, not even an elite one, what does that mean for them? And then I think the other big question is, Jawan Taylor is a free agent. So yeah. they're going to hopefully have to figure out what they're going to do at right tackle. But if you have Ridley and he's really good, you take another stuff forward with Lawrence and you know maybe you add one guy with some real juice to their pass catching core in the second, third round of the draft, whatever it ends up being. This team is already like a top 10-ish passing offense by most efficiency yeah. metrics with the way that yeah. they're currently built. So th- they crash and burn, but not in a way that I think is very deflating. I think it's really easy to talk yourselves into where they're at right now. Yeah, I, I will also add, though, just knowing Doug and then looking at, at Trent's background, like we can talk about needs they might have in the secondary. We can you know, talk about different pieces that they might add. They're going to go to the line of scrimmage with their early picks. You know that's <laughs> happening, 100%. So, I mean, Doug's fair. just seen it. He's seen it up close. And then Trent with the good Niner teams he was around saw it as well, like just the, the defensive uh, front depth as well as having some uh, – some some big time dudes up front offensively. I don't know what Cam Robinson is going to be their long term guy there at left tackle. So he's on what is this? Is this his second year being franchised or is this his first so year? He's being on franchised? an extension. They extended oh did they they did they did him. I didn't know that yes. they that they had extended yep. him. When did that, that when did that go down? I missed that one. <sighs> they, they did it like right before the season started. I want to say. Okay. I see, and he's one of those ones. I'd be I'd have to go back and look oh, at no, the contract. Was, oh, weird. It was uh it was in April. It was like right oh, around so the they draft. did it right around the draft. It was right well, around is the it draft. Right? That's why. I wonder if it was right before or right after. It was remember, right before. So it was April 27th. So it was like the week of the draft, which is why no one noticed it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that was a little busy that week. So that yeah, one's yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that one's some other stuff going on. That one skipped by the goalie. But again, like he's kind of a it's curious. As I thought he's he's been a a good player. I don't think he's a an elite level player, but he's just a solid player. Well, we talked about DJ Humphreys earlier. Like there's that entire yeah. tier of left tackles that I mean, he's making $18 million a year on this extension. So those mm-hmm. guys are him, Jake Matthews, DJ Humphreys. Those guys where you just want to make sure you have somebody there yeah. to allow Functional. your offense to operate. And I think that he's yeah. one of those guys. So I, I do think that you know you drop Lidley in, who knows what it's going to look like. But you feel the lack of speed when you watch them. Like it's just a mm-hmm. real thing when because Christian Kirk just is, hasn't been allowed to be that for them because of mm-hmm. what he has to be for their passing game. Like he's their number one receiver right now. So just having Ridley to kind of have everything else fall into place in a way that makes a little bit more sense. Plus 
you know, figuring out what the final one or two pieces are and then spending some of that free agent money on defense. Like it's hard to argue with the trajectory that they're on. I mean, watch that game on Sunday. It's like, okay, yeah, like I, no. I, I feel okay about this right now, which I cannot say about some of the other teams that we've talked about. Yeah, I mean, just just quarterback head coach of all the teams that we've gone through. I mean, this would be the cherry pick um, for all of us. We'd be like, okay, that one, I'll buy in on that one. I'll buy a lot of that stock. Yeah, I mean, there, we're talking about five more teams here with Jordan here in a bit, and, and I think that's the big question is who's going to be the quarterback, who's going to be the coach, and uh, the Jags do not have to worry about the answer to either of those for the foreseeable future. All right, Daniel Jeremiah. Really, really appreciate the time, my friend. It is always great to chat with you. Thank you for stopping by, and uh, hopefully we'll do this again very soon. I appreciate you. Uh, last question. Have you read all the books over your shoulders? Uh, no. There, there are some that I okay. still need to get to, but uh, I, I'm, I've, I've made my way through most of them, I would say. Most of the ones in here I have read. Okay. Uh, most of the ones on my nightstand and at various other bookshelves around the house I have not read yet. So they, when they designed this, uh, when the network designed this, they sent me books. So I am surrounded by books that I am not familiar <laughs> with. So I know at some point in time, somebody's going to do one of these deals where they like zoom in and they'd be like, dude, that's a very, you know, it's a sketch book. I'd be like, yeah. I don't know. They, they just sent them to me and I just, they put them up. I don't know. I don't know what, I can't speak for it. Thankfully, I have bought most of these books, so I can, I can speak okay. to where they come from and what the general subject matter is. So that's a good thing. Yeah. No, I'm clueless. Absolutely clueless. All right, man. I really appreciate it. Always good to do this. I know you're a busy guy. So thank you very, very much for taking the time. I appreciate you, bud. Have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. That's all we have for part one. Please go check out part two of this conversation with Jordan Rodriguez. In the meantime, really appreciate you listening. Please subscribe to the Athletic Football Show YouTube channel. If you have not already, you can do that in the link that is in the description of this podcast below. Please subscribe to The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash football show is where you can do that. Part two is available with Jordan right now. A little bit later today, Prospects to Pros with Andy Staples and Dane Brugler is going to be available in your feed. And me and Nate will be back on Thursday with our week 13 preview. Until then, appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.